14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can have a seat. If you haven't already, I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We had one standalone sermon last week. We have one more this week. And next Sunday, we're going to jump right back into the book of Acts. And we're going to finish the book of Acts. We have from chapter 21 all the way to the end of the book. So uh, about eight chapters that we're going to cover um, from next week until about the end of February. And then after that point, we're going to start a series on what it means to build a gospel culture that will take us all the way up to uh, Easter, uh, well, to Palm Sunday, and then we'll have Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, and from there we will likely jump back into the Old Testament, but we'll, we'll see once we get there. But Acts next week, this week, we're in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. Now, uh, I was planning on preaching this passage last week. I prepared it the week before um, uh, while we were in Kentucky. I had looked at a few things, gotten back, and, and finished it up. Uh, preparing to preach it last week. Decided to wait with so many people who were out sick. And I'm actually really glad that the sermon on this passage was postponed, pushed back at least a week. Today is January 9th, which means... If you made a New Year's resolution on January 1st, there is a decent chance you've already broken it. <laughs> Can anyone relate to that right now? Some of you are like, what's a New Year's resolution? Others of you are like, no, I don't do those. I don't like disappointment. You know, um, that's, that's, that's kind of, I, I can definitely relate to that. I, I feel you. Um, now, I'm not going to call you out because um, I'm just not that guy. So please don't raise your hand. But how many of you guys started a Bible reading plan on January 1st? Now, I know I sent an email. We were talking about uh, introducing a new Bible reading plan. And if you're waiting on that, I'm so glad you did. We're going to kick that off tomorrow. We actually are going to introduce a Bible reading plan for our entire church to do. Um, we're going to do it within community, within our life groups. We're going to have some accountability there. Um, we're going to start that tomorrow. But if you started a Bible reading plan on January 1st, there is a decent chance that on January 9th you have already, you know, blown it you have not finished it how many of us have started a plan at the beginning of a year to read through the the whole bible by the end of the year have started made good progress we get to leviticus and we quit we're like no next year we're like we're just we're gonna wait we'll do leviticus at the end i'm gonna do a, a different type of bible reading plan and and whatever you choose you know you have the books that you're reading at the at the you know early parts of the year and you're, you're doing great something happens you fall off the wagon and and you stop what you know what is it about that? At the beginning of the year, we set, we set resolutions, and that's not corny or weird or something that we should avoid. It's, it's natural. It's almost the beginning of a new year is, is sort of like a season change. And I know we only have a couple of those here in Mississippi, we, you know, and the seasons seem to change through, in the middle of the seasons. I, I don't understand where, you know, it can snow the day after it was like 75 degrees. Um, but, you know, it's just Mississippi weather for us. But, but the beginning of the year is, is sort of like a, a season change. You know, there, there are things that, that, that go along with that. When a season change, you change 
change what you wear, you change the places you go, you change the sports that you watch or play. The beginning of a new year, it feels like a fresh start. It feels like a time where you can actually make some changes that you've been intending to make. And, and that's, that's a good thing. We, sh- we should take advantage of that. Turning the calendar from 2021 to 2022 is a wonderful opportunity to set some personal and church goals. Now, one personal goal that I'm setting for myself is to be healthier in 2022 than I was in 2021. I, I, I want to lose some weight this year, all right? I, I do. Um, and, and I want that to be something that I actually do. But if any of you have also had fitness goals, you, you, you can probably relate with this concept of you have this goal in mind, you have a desire, you have something you want to do. It makes sense to you. You don't need anyone to convince you. I don't need any of you to come up to me and say, hey, look, man, let me just take you to the side here, brother. I think, I think you, you, could, you could lose a couple pounds, you know? Like, you don't have to do that. I know that, all right? Like, it's, it's very clear to me. You know, you know I, I, saw, I noticed um, you, you just, whenever you came over, and uh, the McElwains could, could say this with full integrity, you came over to the house and you made fun of salads, um, you know? And you said you would never touch a salad and all that. I think you could stand to eat a couple, you know, of salads. It wouldn't hurt you, you know. Um, I don't need convinced of that. I don't need to read a book. I, my mind, I'm, I'm good. I have the understanding. And yet I continue to fail to actually do what it takes to lose weight. And how many of us have spiritual goals like that too? I don't, you know, if I'm honest, I'd be so afraid to admit the last time I prayed, you know, if, if that's you. If you're like, I just, I, I don't pray. I don't pray at all. I need to pray. I know I need to pray. I don't have to convince you of that. I don't have to say, listen, let's, let's go to the scriptures here. You need to see and understand. You don't need a Bible study on prayer. You know you need to pray, but you're not praying. Why? Same thing with reading the Bible. You know you need to read the Bible. And the beginning of the year is a perfect time. It prompts you. There's almost this natural inner prompt. And maybe it's because you follow other Christians and you see it on social media. Don't, don't write it off. It's a good prompt. It's a good cue for us to want to read the Bible. But how can we make sure that this year we don't just set a goal of reading the Bible, but we set a goal of reading the Bible and we actually do it? What, what will it take? You know, uh, try, trying to, to work out more and eat healthier. I've been researching different like fitness apps and, and just kind of seeing what's out there, seeing if there's something that can be supportive for me. And I found one that was really cool. Um, in this app, it talks a lot about not just, okay, hey, what's your goal? Um, here's, how much, you know, here, here's how much you need to eat. Here's some workout plans for you. Here's how much you need to work out. It doesn't really do that. It, it talks a lot about motivations and habits. And, and this app had the audacity to tell me that if I didn't change my habits, I'm not going to lose weight. I mean, the gall, you know? Like, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't need a, a fitness app to tell me how to live my life, you know. Um, but that's exactly what it did. It's like, hey, your issue, your issue is, is not your metabolism. Your issue is not this, it's not that. Your issue is you have really bad habits, and those habits need to change. And by the way, newsflash genius, if you don't change your habits, you can eat salads every time you go to the McElwain's, but unless you go to the McElwain's every night for dinner, it's not going to help you. You have to change your habits. We need to change our habits, our spiritual habits. If we're going to read the Bible, become a church, a people who read the Bible, we have to develop a habit of reading the Bible, not just set a goal for reading the Bible through a year and then checking that off and saying, yeah, we did it. We need need a habit. What I want to do here is I want to hijack our natural desire 
to read through the Bible in a year to help us develop Bible reading habits. And those Bible reading habits will be much more formative in the long run. Um, now, many of us, we, we try to read through the Bible every year, and some, some of us, you know, have, have, have never tried to do this. So, so this may be completely new to you. But probably all of us have tried and failed more than once. This year, I want us as a church to read through the whole Bible. But that is a goal that serves a greater goal. I want to use that to help us meet this greater goal. I want every single one of our members in this church to have a Bible reading habit by the end of the year. A habit. Not just, I know I should read the Bible and I occasionally will, but you have a Bible reading habit. Um, now, um, we're going to use one strategy of Bible reading that I'm going to share at the end of the sermon. There's, there's one Bible reading plan that will help us read through the whole Bible by the end of the year. Um, and, and we're going to use this strategy to help us develop a habit. And that habit, I believe, can change our lives for the good. So what's most important for me to become a healthier person is to develop better eating and exercise habits. What is most important for us to become healthier Christians is for us to develop better spiritual habits, and we're going to talk about one this morning, the habit of reading the Bible. Here's what we're going to do. In order for us to develop a habit of reading the Bible, more than that, in order for us to actually be people who read the Bible year in and year out, and let's just say specifically for this year, in order for us to actually read through the whole Bible together, we need three things. We need a powerful motivation, we need formative habits, and we need a workable plan. We need a why, we need a how, and we need a what. So if you've never read through the Bible or if you do it every single year, regardless, I want you to focus in here and commit right now, open yourself, embrace this idea of reading the Bible in 2022. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 to consider why we should read the Bible, how we should read the Bible, and then we're going to talk about the way we're going to do it. Okay. First, why we should read the Bible. You know, there, there's, this, there's this concept, this, this philosophical concept. It's a biblical concept, too. It's a theological concept um, that I've really been thinking about a lot the last few years. And it's this idea that we are all always becoming something. N none of us are, are just, you know, neutral. N none of us are just floating through space. We are all always becoming something. We're, we're, we're all in process. And what we do and how we do it determines what we become. So, for example, man, I am really just, just nailing myself this morning, all right? If you eat three big meals every single day, and I don't mean like Big Mac meals, just large portions, you know? If you eat three big large meals every single day and never exercise what type of person do you become you become an unhealthy person what you do and how you do it determines what you become and we are all always becoming something and your habits are at the core of that if, if you know you are present with your children every single night before bed 
and you're with them and you read them a story or you pray with them or you give them a hug and you give them a kiss every single night, you are becoming a loving, involved, caring, nurturing, enjoyable parent. If you watch Mississippi State football every Saturday, well, you're, you're becoming a very frustrated person. It's just, it just happens naturally. Um, but if we have no direction or vision for what we want to become, you see the problem? You're still going to become something. You'll just be on an aimless journey toward something. But, but make no mistake, you are becoming something. And I want us to embrace this truth as a church. And I want us to intentionally, not aimlessly, become who God has recreated us to be in Christ. Now, everything we do as a church should involve steps toward God's design for his people. And that's why our, our church's mission and vision are tied so closely to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We exist to make disciples who love God and who love others. And this mission is our motivation for Bible reading. Bible reading is a God-given strategy to become the types of people who love God and others. That's why you read the Bible. We're going to talk about bad motivations here in a second. Okay. There are a couple really bad motivations for reading the Bible that, that each of us are prone to fall into. And the danger in bad motivations for reading the Bible is that they don't keep us from successfully reading the Bible. All right, now that means that you can read the Bible regularly and even habitually for all the wrong reasons. So before we talk about the importance of, of Bible reading habits, we have to talk about Bible reading motivation. Because if you're reading the Bible for the wrong reason, it doesn't matter if, if it's a habit or not. It actually becomes a bad habit if you have a bad motivation for reading the Bible. What, what are a couple bad motivations that negatively impact our hearts? Here are at least two. Okay, the first, we can call it arrogant Bible reading. Now, this is when we read the Bible just for the purpose of increasing our knowledge, just for our minds. We, we, we want to read the Bible so we can know more. The worst form of this is reading the Bible so you can know more than other Christians. Reading the Bible so you can know more than others. What happens is, over time, if, if that's your habit, you read the Bible with the motivation to know more, to puff yourself up with knowledge. You become insufferable around other Christians. And, and you become intimidating to non-Christians. When, when we just read the Bible for, for more head knowledge, our heart knowledge suffers. And, of course, we all know there are a few things worse than a person who knows the Bible really well but doesn't love other people, doesn't actually live according to the word that they read so often. This is, this is arrogant Bible reading. You're reading just for the sake of knowledge. There's a, there's a second error, um, a bad motivation in reading the Bible, and that's legalistic Bible reading. Probably more of us are, are prone to this one. This is when we read the Bible to get something from God. You feel, I know, I felt this. I, I, I felt this so many times in my life where I feel like if I've had a week where every single morning I have woken up and the first thing I did was read scripture, I expect to have a good week. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why we're, why, why are we wired this way? We expect that God now is in our debt. He, he owes us. 
a good week. He owes us blessing. He owes us, you know, uh, whatever it is, something good, because we read the Bible. This is really dangerous. This is reading the Bible so that God will love us, so that he will favor us, so that he will bless us. And this motivation is usually beneath the surface. Few of us would ever actually admit we're reading the Bible to earn something from God. We read the Bible, for goodness sake. We know better. I mean, we know that that's not how it works. But when bad things happen to us or life doesn't go right, we feel betrayed by God. Because look at how faithful we've been. How, how could he? And this, this approach to the Bible, if you read it this way, it does shape us. It does form us. If it becomes a habit for you, you will become a fearful, anxious person. So, so we don't read the Bible um, simply to increase our knowledge, and, and we don't read the Bible as a religious performance so that, so that God will love us in uh, response. We read the Bible because God has first acted. He has spoken first. He has revealed first. He has loved first. He has done a work in our hearts. He has sent his Son to do what we could never do on our own, live a sinless life. And he sent him to die for all of our failures, to love God and to love others. And he was raised to give us, and this is where it is key, new life in him. This is why we read the Bible. We read the Bible to become more and more what God has created us to be in Christ. We step into this new life that he has for us. Bible reading is a tool to help us do that. Our motivation for reading the Bible is to become disciples who are full of love for God and others. Now the question is, and this is where we get to 2 Timothy 3, how does reading the Bible, because some of you, some of you just may not be convinced that reading the Bible can actually do that. You're content with hearing the word preached on a weekly basis, but how can reading about the Israelites from thousands of years ago help you love your difficult co-worker? You know, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's tough for you to imagine. How can reading obscure, you know, passages in the Old Testament or confusing, you know, commands in Paul's letters, like, how, you know, how can this actually help me love God and love others? Well, it has to do with what the Bible actually is. When you understand what the Bible is, it helps you understand what it can do in your life. All right, so, so let's consider three things from 2 Timothy 3 about what the Bible is. Let's think about the Bible's nature, the Bible's purpose, and the Bible's power. Okay, first, the Bible's nature. Let's, let's look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Bible's nature is that it is from God. This, this language here, all scripture, the 66 books, everything we find in our Bible, all scripture, is breathed out by God. It is the very word of God. The words that we find in the original manuscripts of scripture are the very words of God himself. And these words have been passed down to us. So when we read the Bible, this is the Bible's nature, when we read the Bible, we can truthfully say that we are reading God's word. His very word, the eternal God. 
his self-revelation, his self-declaration of who he is, is revealed to us in this book. It is from God, the Bible's nature. But second, the Bible's purpose. We need to see this. This is why the Bible is capable of of, uh, leading us to love God and love others. The Bible's nature, the Bible's purpose. The Bible's purpose is, is that it shapes us. Scripture shapes us. Look what he says in verse 16. So all Scripture is breathed out by God, and what else is it? It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The language here is is almost like a molding process. We see there's a shaping, there's a forming that's happening here. Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is used for the purposes of teaching us, of reproving us where we are wrong, of correcting us where we have gone astray, and for training us in righteousness. Not only that, all Scripture is breathed out by God so that for the purpose of God's people being made complete, brought to completion, this process of sanctification, that we would be equipped for every good work. The very nature, the very purpose of Scripture lends itself to when we read it, it has this effect on our hearts used by the Spirit to change and mold and shape us into the types of people that God has created us to be. The Bible's purpose, Scripture shapes us. But finally, the Bible's power, Scripture actually changes us. And I love, I love how uh, verses 14 and 15 come in. What he's telling Timothy here, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings now now listen, listen to what he says these sacred writings the scriptures are able to do which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ god's word leads us to god's son um, so we see the Bible's nature, purpose, and power. Reading Scripture compels us to become people who love God because Scripture is God's self-revelation, which means that it testifies to His beauty, His glory, and His goodness. And so it compels us to love Him. Reading Scripture also equips us to become people who love others because Scripture shows us the way. It teaches us how we should live our new lives in Christ. It corrects and reproves us when we stray or revert back to our old way of living, and it trains us, developing our heart muscles toward good works. You see, although the mind is vital, vital in our reading of Scripture, the ultimate end of Bible reading is more for our hearts. It shapes us. The end of Bible reading is for us to be changed from the inside out. So our motivation for reading Scripture this year is that we want to become different types of people. We want to become the people that God has created us to be in Christ. We want to become those who love God and who love others. And by reading Scripture, because of its nature, purpose, and power, we can become these people. Okay, so our motivation, why? All right, um, one more thing here. How? So why should we read the Bible? We should read the Bible for the purpose. Our motivation is to become those who love God and love others. That's your motivation this year when you read the Bible, that you would love God more and that you would love other people more. Um, Now, how we do it really matters. How can we do this? How can we read the Bible in a way that actually shapes us into the people that we were created to be? And I'm not 
mainly talking here about Bible interpretation. Bible interpretation is a necessary skill. Um, I'm merely talking about Bible reading. I'm not talking about Bible study. We're not talking about studying the scripture and diving deep and spending hours in the text. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the power of merely opening the Bible, reading it, closing it, and going about your day. No more thoughts, just mere Bible reading. Is there a way to not study, but read the Bible that is totally transformative? And I, I believe there is. I believe that for the Bible to impact our hearts in a way that shapes and changes us into people who love God and others, we have to read the Bible, not occasionally, but habitually. We need Bible reading habits. So I want to ask you three questions here. These are the last three questions of the sermon, and we'll be out. Three questions. Number one, what is a habit? Number two, why are habits so formative? Why do they work? And number three, how can we develop a Bible reading habit? Okay, first, what is a habit? Um, you notice Paul tells Timothy here to continue, continue in what you have learned. Do not leave it behind. If, if you pressed Paul here, he's essentially asking Timothy to, to create habits for himself. Do not just occasionally acquaint yourself with the scriptures. Immerse yourself in the scriptures. Habitually, regularly be exposed to the sacred writings that have brought you to the point that you're at now. A habit is a behavior that occurs automatically. Automatically. This is from the book The Common Rule. A habit is a behavior that occurs automatically, over and over, and often unconsciously. Habits are like instincts. So when you think of Bible reading habit, don't just think about, this is something I do every day. Also think, this is something I do without even thinking. That's what a habit is. A habit is driving your car. If you drive, then, you know, driving your car is a habit. Um, habits are like second nature behaviors that don't require choices. Now, I think about basketball um, when I think about habits um, because I played basketball and there are particular habits that you have to acquire. So uh, if you were a shooter, I was a shooter um, in basketball. I would spot up, people would kick the ball to me and I would shoot it. In real time, in a game, you don't have time, especially as you, as you go up, you know, college, professional, you don't have time to think through the mechanics of shooting the ball. You don't have time for that. You have to catch and shoot. You barely have enough time to decide whether you're going to shoot it or not. You need to, over time, through hours and hours of practice, develop a habit of when you catch it and you're open, the automatic instinct of your body is to shoot it. Otherwise, you're going to psych yourself out. Um, you're you're going to be all thrown off. You probably won't shoot it. You'll probably turn the ball over. It's, it's, it's required. You need to develop an instinct for this. Habits are like instincts. It's like driving your car. Um, habits actually serve us. Because they take care of important actions that we need to, to make while freeing up our minds to think about other things. You experience this all the time when you drive. You're going to work. On your way to work, you're thinking about an email you need to send. You're thinking about a phone call you need to make. You're thinking about 
um, a meeting that you need to attend. Maybe you're thinking about something that happened at home, and then you wake up and you're in the parking lot. And you're like, oh my goodness, I hope I didn't hit a, hit a dog or something on the way. And we all experience this. That is evidence that driving is a habit. It's second nature. It's instinctual. Now, if that's what a habit is, what does a habit do to us? There are good habits and there are bad habits. What do they do to us? I want to focus on one thing. Habits shape us. They form us into certain types of people. And, and as I said, their power is found in their location. They, they primarily function within the unconscious parts of our brains. And habits, they're almost immune from our thoughts. You see, the power of habits, it, it is also seen in the disconnect that we often feel between what we know and what we do. As we said earlier, I know I should lose weight, yet I don't do it. You know you should read the Bible, but you don't do it. You, you know you should pray more, but, but you don't do it. You know that you, know, you need to be more intentional about budgeting for your family, but, but you, don't, you don't do it. And the reason is because we've developed some really unhealthy habits that are functioning beneath the surface and controlling our lives, directing us, directing us toward one particular end. The only way for you to really know what habits are controlling and what habits you even really have is to probably just get out a piece of paper, write down every single hour of the day, and write down every single thing that you do. And, and once you see what repeats every single day, you can, you can probably identify some habits, whether, whether good or bad. But habits are powerful. When we change our habits, we are more likely to change ourselves. And the same, the same is true for Bible reading. It works. If, if, I, if I change my eating habits... If, if I change my exercise habits, you're going to notice a difference. And if not, I quit, okay? Um, <laughs> I will quit if, you, if you're not able to tell a difference and I've actually developed a, a habit that I am not going to want to start. But you notice a difference. I, I, I will change. I will become a different type of person. The same is true for Bible reading. What if, what if just hear me out, what if instead of occasionally reading the Bible, you actually developed, it really happened, you actually developed a habit of reading the Bible every single day. And I mean a habit. I mean, if you, if you read the Bible before you do anything else in the morning, you can't wake up without reading the Bible. It just happens. You, you, it's, you have an experience like you're driving. You, you just kind of sit up one day and you're like, oh man, I'm in, I'm in the Word. I'm in the Word. That's not, we, we want to avoid that because we think we can't approach this book unless we have all of our commentaries out and unless we're ready to commit two or three hours to studying a text. There's a place for that, and that's really important. Meditation and Bible study are crucial spiritual disciplines that you need to, to also have. But what happens to us is we don't have the time to commit to that. We become paralyzed. We never read the so we're never exposed to God's word. And I can promise you, the Bible is powerful enough on its own. Did you hear what Paul said about the sacred writings? He didn't say, Timothy, through your diligent study of the sacred writings, because you studied so hard, because of all the, the great minds who came along. No, he says, the sacred writings themselves were able to, 
make you wise for salvation. And again, it doesn't mean we don't think. It doesn't mean we don't study. We absolutely do. But this book is powerful on its own. This book contains the very words of God himself. That's enough. Don't, do not discount mere Bible reading. So hear me out. What if instead of occasionally reading the Bible, you developed a habit of reading the Bible every single day? What if you woke up with an instinct to hear from God first? Think about how different your lives would be if you instinctually became the type of person who turns to God for comfort and, and not to some other bad habit that you may have. Turns to God for affection and for love. Turns to God and His Word for truth and wisdom for peace and rest because you know what we're prone to do I'm pretty, probably pretty safe in this room saying this you're prone to turn to your phone for a lot of these things you feel bored you feel stressed, you feel anxious you feel confused you feel ignorant phone social media browser, scroll there's a sense of comfort that's brought to us. Day after day of time in God's word has a compounding effect on your heart. It starts to shape and change you into the likeness of its author. So we don't just need to read the Bible this year. I want us to read the Bible. We're going to share a Bible reading plan. I don't, but that's the best thing we can do in relation to the Bible is to make a habit of Bible reading. Last thing, how do we do that? How can we do that? Real practical, all right? Bear with me. I'm going to share a source. This guy's not a theologian. He's not, he's not a Bible commentator. He's, he's a habit guy. I don't even know what he does, really. He's written a really famous book on habits, James Clear. He has some suggestions for, for how to create habits. I want to just take from his principles and apply them in a Christian worldview. How do we develop a Bible reading habit? Um, I want to suggest one simple Bible reading habit that may help you start reading the Bible more consistently than you have in the past. And here's the habit. And, and this is from uh, the book, The Common Rule. One habit. Are you ready? Here's the habit. Scripture before phone. That's the habit. Scripture before phone. Before you get your phone out, you read scripture. Whenever that is for you. Most of us, it's in the morning. One of the first things that most of us do in the morning is check our phone. The habit that you start for yourself, a new habit, is scripture before phone. Um, so James Clear, he wrote a really popular book on habit making, and he says that there are four things that we need to successfully start a new habit. Four things. You need an, a cue. You, uh, the, the habit needs a cue. The habit needs to be attractive. Um, the habit needs to be easy. Um, and the habit needs to be rewarding. We're going to talk about three of these. All right? Um, this habit, Scripture Before a Phone, needs an obvious cue. In order for a habit to be implemented in your life successfully, you need a cue. Now, this is why I love this habit. Do you know what the cue for scripture before phone is for most of us? Waking up. That's, that's simple. That's, that's pretty simple. 
That's your cue. That's your prompt to, to open the Bible and read. You woke up. If you didn't wake up, you probably ain't going to read anymore. You know what I'm saying? Um, you, you're good. You got, you got the full revelation, you know, of, of the Lord. You're in, you're in his presence probably. All right? So uh, the cue is waking up. If, if you're not in glory, you can, be in, you can be in his word, you know, beholding his glory. You know what I'm saying? Amen? All right. Um, so the cue is waking up. The cue is waking up. You wake up, scripture before phone. Kids, students, adults, everyone in here, you wake up, scripture before phone. That's your cue. Um, now, uh, the second thing you need, you don't just need a cue, the second thing you need is you need the habit to be attractive to you. Now, this is where you can have fun with Bible reading. I have to have this. Um, I, I don't, I'm not, I, I don't enjoy just picking the Bible up and reading it wherever. I, I kind of, I, I need an environment that, that's pleasing to me. Um, it needs to be attractive. So you're going to have fun with it. Make scripture before phone enjoyable. Now, one way that you can do this is by pairing it with something that you really enjoy. So if you really enjoy coffee, you, you love to drink coffee, one thing you can do is set out your Bible, where you like to drink your coffee, maybe your favorite chair, uh, maybe your favorite place in the house, uh, maybe it's just at the kitchen table, maybe, maybe it's outside for you, wherever it is. Set your Bible up there, make your coffee, drink your coffee, read the Bible. Um, if you pair a new habit with something you already enjoy, you're more likely to, to start that habit, so, so it needs to, to be attractive. Something else you could do. If you really enjoy walking, don't get weird about, well, you know, I hate to listen to the Bible. I like to have my book. You know what I mean? If you really enjoy walking in the morning and that's something that you do, download an audio Bible. Download an audio Bible. Listen to Scripture as you're walking. Scripture before phone make it attractive the last thing it needs to be really really easy and this habit could not be easier it's really simple it's it's really clear when a habit feels easy and manageable it's it's more likely to, to be something that you implement into your life now for you reading five chapters every single day may feel really daunting but that's not the habit the habit is not the bible reading plan the bible reading plan we're going to share is a tool the habit is scripture before phone it may be three verses for you. The habit is, before I do anything else in my day, I turn to God and hear his voice. That's the habit. That's what I want you to develop. It's easy. Um, habits shape us for good or for bad. Habits are a crucial part of us becoming something. Spiritual habits that are rooted in the gospel and focused on the means of grace given to us by God himself, like the Bible, they will shape us into the image of Jesus. We can actually become people who love God and who love others through our reading of the Bible when Bible reading becomes a habit. So let's develop a habit of reading the Bible this year because doing so will mold our hearts toward the love of God and others. Okay, um, last thing. If you have a phone, I do want to invite you to get it out. After I said scripture before phone, you just had scripture, now you can have phone, okay? Um, so, so you can get your phone out um, if you have a smartphone. Uh, we are going to be using a Bible reading plan um, as a church. We're not going to force you. If you have your own Bible reading plan, that's cool. Cool beans. You use your Bible reading plan, that's fine. But as a church, we are going to recommend a Bible reading plan to you. We are going to be providing some accountability to you to be reading through it. 
Um, and this will be a tool that you can use to start a Bible reading habit. You have something now. Because sometimes the reason you don't read, and one obstacle is, I don't know what to read. Well, here you go. Um, it's an app called Read Scripture. So uh, if you haven't downloaded that app yet, I want to invite you to, to do that. It's an app. It's called Read Scripture. Um, it has a reading plan with it. There are all kinds of little features in there. And I know what some of you are thinking. Okay, so a reading plan on my phone. Scripture before phone. <gasps> scripture and phone at the same time. Um, but uh, the app is actually really, really helpful. Okay, so uh, within the app, you can actually choose the date that you're going to start the reading plan. As a church, we're going to say January 10th, tomorrow, is the first day of the reading plan. Now, will that take us through the whole Bible by the end of the year? I don't care, because what I care most about is that we use this tool to develop what? A habit of reading the Bible. That's, that's what we want. Um, Read Scripture is the app. We're going to be using that throughout the year, um, and we're going to be pointing to it in various ways. And uh, uh, we'll probably have some printed copies if you don't have a smartphone or, or you, don't, you don't prefer that. I know I can email you a copy of the plan if, if you would prefer that as well. Um, but we'll have printed copies out next week. Okay, let me pray.